to come. Let's pray that the Lord will break the bread of life to every one of us in this place this morning. I want us to pray for the touch of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray that yokes will be broken and burdens will be lifted. I want us to pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We just give you praise. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Our Father, we want to thank you today. We want to thank you for life. Life is from you. And we are the true expression of your hidden image. We thank you for another time like this to be in your presence. We honor your word. And in return, we receive illumination on our spirit. That whatever has been hidden from us, may they be revealed to us. There is power in revelation. There is power in knowing. We receive the spirit of knowing. We receive the spirit of knowing. We receive the power of revelation. We take authority over every spirit of ignorance. We break the yokes that have had our minds bound. We stand in liberty. The Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We proclaim liberty in the spirit. Thank you. Encourage those who have been discouraged. Strengthen the feeble knees, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. I'm going to begin today by sharing a story of a man with us. His name is Gilead. Gilead was born in a little township somewhere here in the United States. When he was born, before the first month, the father left the house and never came back. By the time Dari was three months old, the mother could not cope with the finance of the family, so she literally took the little boy and took the boy to a a woman, an older woman in the community and spoke to the woman and said, can you have this baby for me? I want to go ahead and get some food. I'll be back to take care of him. The woman never came back. So this little boy grew up in the house of a stranger. And as he was growing up in the house of a stranger, the stranger knew Jesus. So all that the old woman did was to pour Jesus into Dara. And so he was growing up until he was seven in the house of this woman. By the time he was seven, the old woman got sick. And she knew she was not going to make it. So she called Darren and said, well, I don't know what's going to happen, but what I can see is that I may not make it through. 
But there is one thing that I have. I don't have anything you know. We live day by day by what I have. Your mother left you while you were three months old with me and never came back. I have an old one-ton Bible, New Testament, and give to Dara. That was his inheritance from the woman. And the old woman died. When she died, a lot of people in the community came around and promises after promises came that they were going to take care of him. But many of them failed. So a number of times, he did not have shelter over him as a young boy in the elementary school. According to the story and according to him, I listened to him, he said, Occasionally, we'll go by the riverside to get his clothes washed during summer and spread it, his school uniform, so that he could go to school the following day. And according to him, each time he went to school, all of the classmates were always castigating him that he was smelling. But they didn't know his condition. At the age of nine, He was by the riverside. In fact, he mentioned that during winter, sometimes some of the policemen would come around and they would get him and take him to, take him with them. And he said that was a blessing for him that the police would come and take him around, you know, take him away. At the age of nine, one of those days he was by the riverside and he talked to himself and said, how long is this going to last? And he kept shouting, oh God, why? Why me? Why me? Why? I have no brother, I have no sister, I have no father, I have no mother, I have no one. Why me? Boy remembered what the old woman told him. And at the moment while he was shouting, why, why, why? The Lord spoke to him. And said, Daryl, don't worry. I have got everything under control. I have everything under control. And he said at that moment, he looked up to God. And that was the time he gave his heart to the Lord Jesus. According to his story, he was 27 years old by the time he was giving his testimony. He had a wife, he has a family, he has children. And then he looked back. And he remembered the story of his life. And then, while he was preaching, somebody saw him on the national TV and wrote him a letter and said, I know your father. And he said, according to him, several people have come in a time past. They told him they've seen his father, but it was never the father. This time, he had to travel. By the time... This woman mentioned he, has, he knows the father because he could see his features. Looked like the man that he knew in the hospital that was sick. So Dara went to the hospital and see, saw his father. He said, immediately I saw him, I knew that was my father. But this time, the old man had stroke. He couldn't speak. And life was emanating out of him. But when the old man saw him, he knew that was his son. He saw him last while he was about a month old. 
And the man was writing and was trying to write and said, I'm sorry, trying to wave to him that I left you. Then he told the father, don't worry about it. Truly you left him, but don't worry. According to his story, at this time of his life, all his siblings were on drugs. Many of them were taken in by all the relatives who were on drugs themselves. So their lives have been ruined. Most of his cousins and nephews were on drugs. He was the only one who knew Christ. Right in the hospital where the father was, it was there and then they discovered that, that was the hospital where he was born. Then he waved to the father, he came back to the hospital and wrote a little note about the gospel. And then the father gave his heart to the Lord Jesus on the sick bed. And then the story had said, he told the father, I thank God that you abandoned me. I thank God that you left me. Because if you did not abandon me, maybe I would have ended up as an addict. Like all of my siblings. It was through the man that he began to know some of the siblings. None of them had anything to do with God. Their lives have been completely ruined. This morning I want to share with us on what I call God meant it for good. God meant it for good. I know some of us are here this morning. You've been through difficult times in life. And you're almost calling it quit. But I have this to say to you this morning. God meant it for good. If you're a believer this morning, I want to be excited regardless of what you are going through in your life at the moment. Your life is under control. Your life is in God's hand. Micah chapter 7 verse 8. Do not rejoice over me, my enemy. For when I fall, I shall arise again. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. Psalm 37. The Bible says, a righteous man falleth seven times and he rises again. Proverbs 24. Sorry, Proverbs 24 verse 16. A righteous man falleth seven times and he rises again. Psalm 37. Verses 13 to the Bible says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. The Bible says, Though he may fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord shall be at him in his hands. I want to say to us this morning, God has only one son without sin. Only one. The Bible tells us in Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21. For he had made him to be sin for us. For he who knew no sin has become sin for us. That we may become the righteousness of God in him. John chapter 14 verse 30. The Bible said the prince of this world comes to me and he has nothing in him. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15, the scripture says, the Bible says, for we have not an high priest who have not been tempted like we are, 
But the Bible says in all of these, it was certain in all points, yet without sin, Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 4, the Bible says you have not endured through the blood striving against sin. So God has only one son without sin. But God has none without suffering and trial. He has no son without trial and without suffering, without tribulation and without troubles in life. The Bible says Jesus was tempted. In other words, he suffered at all points. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10 and 18, the Bible says it was fitting to him. Who became the captain of their salvation? You know, he, he, you know, to, he, he, he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. So Jesus suffered. And the Bible says, First Corinthians chapter ten, verse ten: There is no temptation that has come to you that is not common to man. The Bible says, But in all of these, God has made a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. In this world, John chapter 16 verse 23, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Perhaps you're here this morning, life has hedged you in. And you're wondering, oh God, what's next? What am I going to do? I have this to say to you, he's got your life under control. Everything is under his control. God meant it for good. I'm going to use the story of a man as a foundation for what we're going to share this morning. A young man who was growing up. A tale of a young man. And his siblings. His sardonic, cynic, terrible, doomstar brothers. The name, Joseph. The story of Joseph is a classical story of how many believers will make it through. Life is going to throw things at you. Men are going to throw things at you. But let's consider his story. I've broken the story of this man into segments. But before I go to the segments, I discovered that there were three major reasons why Jacob was hated by his brothers. Many of us are being hated and envy for the same reasons today. Number one, Jacob was a favorite. He was the father's love. He was a daddy's boy. And because he was loved by his brother, by his father, they hated him. Do you know many of us, we have become a subject of envy when people of honor, people of great impact love us. Some people get jealous because of that. Number two reason why Jacob was hated was because of his dream. And this is very critical. That's what we're going to dwell on. Jacob was hated for his dream. Dreams intimidate those who have dumb, imperceptive minds. Don't love dreamers. They hate dreamers. And number three, Jacob was hated for his words. Jacob was a man who believed in the dream that God has given. And he began to say it out. How many of us have noticed that when you speak about the things you believe God is doing in your life, some people get jealous and they get angry because of it. Don't stop saying what you know. 
Don't stop saying what you know. You can't stop men from hating you. You can't. Don't stop saying what is right. He was hated for his words. And at 17, God initiated in a young man's life what he has pre-programmed. I want us to listen to me. To save a generation and to preserve a covenant. I want to say it again. Jacob's dream was not about people bowing down to him. No. Jacob's dream was about preserving a generation and rescuing the covenant of God. God gave Joseph a dream. Don't underrate the power of a dream. Don't. A dream is a seed that will produce a future forest. Don't underrate the power of little beginning. As a matter of Zechariah chapter 4 verse 10. Who has despised the tale of small beginning? Don't underrate the power of a little vision. Given one night. Don't underrate it. Joseph believed in his dream. Joseph spoke about his dream. And early in life, Joseph became a subject of envy and of hatred. Now, envy is a destructive crave to bring others down. A heart filled with envy is not, will not only resent your now, your present, they will also attack your future. That's envy. Now, let me quickly mention the nature of a dream. I want to have a few, about four or five points on what the nature of a dream is. A dream is a seed. That's the first thing I'm going to say. Every dream that God gives to you today, if it's a dream from God, it will be bigger than you. It's a dream that you cannot fulfill by yourself. It's a dream that speaks about your future. God gives a future in a seed, and it comes with a dream. Number two, every dreamer attracts enmity. Now, thank God for the prayer meeting we had. We bound all the enemies in the world. As long as you want to succeed, as long as you keep dreaming, you will have enemies. It's alright to have enemies. There is no problem having enemies. What we need to do is to look at what the scripture says about enemies. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shine on what he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name. Say, yo, I know I walk through the valley of the shadow of the earth. I shall not fear for thy rod and I start to comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Listen to me. Every time God prepares a table, an enemy shows up. Every time God prepares a table. Expect an enemy. But what is the panacea that God gave? The Bible says, and he has anointed my head with oil. And my cup runs over. What we need to do is to walk in the unction of the Holy Spirit. I don't care where the enemy stands, I trample on them. We need to know beyond the chicken beliefs. Let's rise above the enemies. Let's walk in the unction and the presence of God. The Bible says about the unction. The Bible says in Psalm 105, they went from one nation to the other. From one kingdom to another people. He suffered no man to do them wrong. He reproved kings for their sake. Say, touch not my anointed and do my prophet no harm. Psalm 20, the Bible said, now know high that the Lord saveth his anointed. When David saw Saul, David did not stretch forth his hand on Saul. The Bible said, for he has been anointed. 
when Aaron grew old, Aaron went to, with it, to be with his fathers. Only when the unction was taken away from Aaron, they took the garment of priesthood from Aaron. Aaron couldn't die. The unction preserved him. We are joking with the unction of the Holy Spirit. Nothing, the Bible said, the evil bows before the good source of the wicked at the gate of the righteous. Which enemy? Before a man anointed by God. I'm sorry I digressed. So well. Number three points. God's secret weapon to prepare you. Dreams are God's secret weapon to prepare you ahead. Don't get caught up in the distractions. That's why God gives dreams. Number four. Ultimate purpose of God are stored up in a dream. Now, this is what I'm saying. A dream is not an end in itself. A dream is a means to an end. No dream is an end in itself. A dream is a means to an end. So when God gives a dream, there is an innate, indwelling purpose in every dream that God gives. And every purpose always bypasses the man. God always gives dreams to those who are channels. God gives dreams to those who are givers. God gives them to those who are generous. If you're generous, God will continually pour dreams into your spirit. Every dream is time sensitive. To everything there is a season. And to every purpose or not, there is a to every purpose there is a time. Habakkuk chapter two, chapter three, chapter two. The Bible said the vision is for an appointed time. But in the end, it shall speak. So it is time sensitive. The poorest on earth today are not people without money. They are people without dreams. If I recently I read from Rick Godwin, he said, don't let circumstances stop you from dreaming. The only shortage in the world is not money and opportunity. It is dream and visions. No dream, no throne. Catch the dream. Take the throne. I want to appeal to our pure minds today to dare to dream. Dreams rule the world. Dreamers are in charge in the world today. And God wants to bring us into a place where we are continually seeing the things of the Spirit. Dreams are invisible. Dreams are illogical many times. Dreams are many times not understood. But dreamers always reach the top. Number two, I told you I broke his life into segments. Number two, the gift and the garment. I want to quickly finish on Joseph so that we can narrow it down. Gift and garment. Joseph's garment was specially made by the father to distinguish him among all his brethren, among all his siblings. The Bible said the father sold him a tunic of many colors. Now the tunic was a symbol of honor, was a symbol of love. That was what the father did. But the day the brother saw Joseph, the first thing they did was to strip Joseph of his garment. Don't live by the garment. It will be stripped off. 
Men will strip off your garment. Don't live by the garment. The garment speaks of the ephemera. The garment speaks of the mundane. The garment speaks of the temporary. And the first thing the enemy went after was to take the garment of Joseph. Each time you are attacked by the enemy, what they first of all go after was to take your garment. For those who do not have spiritual understanding, when the enemy takes their garment, they die because of the garment. But they have forgotten that it is something that is superior to the garment. The gift inside you cannot be taken by the enemy. Nobody can take your dream away. They can take the color of the coat of many colors. As long as your dream and your gift is intact, the gift will produce several garments thereafter. What am I talking about today? Garments, are cars, and houses, and possessions. Let the enemy take everything. I love Paul the Apostle. One day Paul stood up under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He said, having nothing, yet possessing nothing. When the enemy came to him and said, if you don't give me this, I will take everything. He said, I have nothing. And the enemy said, I will take everything. He says, well, if you don't, if you don't bow down to me, then, then Paul said, I got everything. Paul didn't have possession. But he said, having nothing, yet possessing. All things. The garment. The first thing I want us to know again, the second, is that when the enemy attacks you, he goes after your garment. Because the garment is the stool of deception. When Potiphar's wife got Joseph, you will have seen this garment being repeated in the life and the story of Joseph. God was giving us an inspiration to see something about the garment. The first thing the woman went for was his garment. And the garment was used as a deceptive tool by Potiphar's wife and also by his own brother. They deceived the father and said, look, your son is dead. I have a word for somebody in this place today. They've taken your garment. It has become a deceptive tool. I want to say to you today, truly they said and presented the fact that Eve, you are dead. That your son is dead. That your future is gone. I want to say to you today, your future is intact. Your son is not dead. Your son is alive. As long as the dreamer is alive, your son is alive. They've taken your possession, but you are still here. And as long as you are here, God is going to turn the situation around for you. You may lose your garment, but don't lose your dream. The gifts. I believe in God's perception. What distinguished Joseph was his gift. Oh God, what's his gift? The Bible says a man's gift makes room for him. A man's gift, not a man's garment, makes room for him and brings him before great men. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 16. Permit me to read all the verses of the Bible. In Living Bible Paraphrase, it says, A gift does wonders. It will bring you before men of importance. Another version says, A man's gift will open all doors and win access to the great. Another one says, A man's gift clears the way for him and gains him access to great men. Another one says, A gift opens doors. It gives access to the great. Joseph did not live by his garment. There was something greater, stronger, Better than the garment. And that is his gift. Develop your gift. Discover it. Preserve your gift. In your gift is your future. I will come back to the gift. 
But let me move on a little bit because of time. Number three, don't forget number one. Number one, the nature of dream. Number two, the gift and the garment. Number three, God's working or divine arrangement. Now, if we read the story of Joseph because of time, I can't go to all the details. Let's go back home to read from chapter 37 of Genesis to chapter 50. It's a wonderful trip. It's a good time for us to spend our leisure time to read. Now, in the story of Joseph, I saw the divine arrangement of God. I saw the workings of God. You know, there are many things that God would be doing in our lives and we don't see it many times. And in the life of Joseph, when he was taken by his brothers and they were about to kill him, the Bible said they conspired to kill him. You know, God's way of deliverance is beyond our imagination. God had already positioned man to ensure that Joseph would not lose his life. God positioned unlikely people. Two of the siblings. One of them, Reuben. The other one was Judah. Reuben said, shed no blood. Let's throw him into the pit. If the pit was deep enough, and he said, shed no blood. If you throw him into the pit that long, what happens to the man? Shed no blood. Number two, Judah said, let's sell him. Position two people. You know, it occurred to me that many of us are in the pit. Because in a pit, a pit is a dark place. A pit is always lonely. A pit is a place of, of deep loss. It's a place of deep mess. And some of us are here today, we are saying to ourselves, I'm in a deep mess. Don't worry about it. God had prepared a place ahead of you in the pit. Your mess is going to become your message. God is going to turn the pit around. God is going to give you a place of comfort even in the pit. God was in charge. You know what God did? God ensured that there was no water in the pit. So that Jacob would not drown. God's working. And God ensured as soon as Jacob was out of the pit, he was sold. Jacob was sold. Jacob was going from hand to hand. Many of us have been bouncing around. We've been going from hand to hand. You've been very unstable. It's not you're working, you're trying everything you could do. But it's not been working. I want to say this to you today, don't lose hope. It may be God behind the scene working things in your favor. You know, many times a lot of people come to church and say, I'm under a curse, can you please pray, pray for me? I want to announce to you, I'm not under a curse, I'm blessed by God. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3, Blessed be God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, by Christ Jesus. Psalm chapter 1 verse 1, The Bible says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the castle of the godly, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, nor walketh in the path of the sinners. In his Lord does he meditate day and night, shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, whose leaves never withers, and he will bring out his food in his season. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm not going to curse. I'm blessed. Regardless of what I'm going through, I'm not going to curse. God meant it for good. God is going to turn it around for me. Number four. The power of divine presence. In Genesis chapter 39, it's littered throughout chapter 39, verse 2, verse 3, verse 23, verse 21. The Bible says, and the Lord was 
with Joseph. Let me say this to you today. The most important thing in the whole world is to ensure that you are walking in a divine presence. Oh, divine presence. Divine presence. Thou will show me the path of life. Psalm 16 verse 11. And in the presence there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Colossians chapter 3 verse 3. For ye are dead and you are hid with Christ in God. Acts chapter 17 verse 18. For in him we live, in him we move, in him we have our being. Joseph was conscious of the divine presence of God. Nothing threatens the enemy like the divine presence. Nothing. Nothing. When Israel left Egypt, they were on their way to Canaan. And the, and the enemy saw that the presence of God was with his people. You know what he did? The enemy attacks God's presence in your life through unrighteousness. That's what he does. The enemy saw the power of God's presence in the life of Joseph. The Bible and everything he did prospered. You know what he did? He raised Potiphar's wife. Seduce him. And destroy him. If the enemy cannot pollute you, he cannot destroy you. Mm-mm. If the enemy cannot pollute you, he cannot dis- destroy you. If the enemy cannot prevent what God is doing in your life, he seeks to pollute it. But if the enemy cannot pollute you, he cannot destroy you. Balaam stood up to curse the people of God. The Bible says, as he stood up, raised altars to curse the people. A voice came through his mouth and said, For I have received the commandment to bless, and I cannot reverse it. Oh, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Job chapter 1. The Bible says, and as the devil came to God and said, Well, God asked him, Where are you going? I've been going to and fro throughout the world and said, How about Job? He said, But you have made an hedge around him. Oh, there's an hedge around my life. I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed that a curse cannot stand me. Proverbs 28, a curse costless shall not come. Oh, a curse costless cannot alight, not on my life. Mm. Too blessed to be cursed. Too blessed to be cursed. Too blessed to be cursed. Too anointed to be attacked. The power of God is inside me. The enemy cannot curse me. There is no spell that can stand on my life. It bounces back. It bounces back. It bounces back. I'm so proof, full proof from a curse. I'm blessed. I'm blessed in my spirit. I'm blessed in my home. My wife is blessed. My children are blessed. The glory of God is upon my life. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. The enemy cannot sell a bad fruit. We will not take it. Not with the wisdom of God. Not with the wisdom of God. First Corinthians chapter 2, 6 to 8. The Bible says, But we speak the wisdom of God. A hidden wisdom that is hidden from the ages past. And from the ruler of this age that come to nothing. We're not speaking about that wisdom. But we speak the wisdom of God in the mystery. The hidden wisdom of God. That's ordained by God. Before the age began. That's the wisdom with which we speak. Don't let us get into religion. And if we cast the demons out of you in the last five years, you're going to be born again. Something is wrong with you. Something is wrong with you. How can a demon indwell a believer for five years? What is he doing there? And you're coming to church every Sunday and every Tuesday for Bible study. Ah, 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 Abba. I need to just... Close Sundays. 
Genesis 42. I want somebody to read this. Genesis 42, verse 6, 8 or 9. Genesis 42, verses 6, 8 or 9. I think I will still need to read. Genesis 42. Hallelujah to Jesus. Genesis 42. I read verses 6, 8, 9. Now Joseph was governor over the whole land. And it was he who sold all the people of the land. And Joseph's brother came and bowed down before him. With their faces to the earth. Verse 8. So Joseph recognized his brother but they did not recognize him. Verse 9. Then Joseph remembered the dream. You will remember the dream of God. <laughs> they sold him because of his dream. But God preserved the dream. God ensured that the dream came to pass. And by the time he saw the brothers bowing down the Bible, he recognized them. But you know what is interesting? Don't worry about it. I'll pick my Bible. Let it rest. <sighs> Hallelujah. The dream came to pass. I don't know the dream that God gave to you. But I have this to say to you this morning. What you saw with your eyes closed. You will see with your eyes open. (laughs) What you saw with your eyes closed. You will see with your eyes open. Wide open. Wide open. They told you that you couldn't have. Your body is so sick. That there is no solution to it. But when you slept, God gave you a dream of a woman who was preaching around the world. God will bring it to pass. What you saw with your eyes closed, you will see with your eyes open. Your hands are empty now, but when you slept, you saw your hands full. The Lord will supply all your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Whatever is missing, God can make it available. It's what is true. Lastly, the divine purpose. Now, Joseph saw beyond the bowing down. I want everybody in this place to see beyond the dream. See the purpose of God behind the dream. This is where we miss it as believers. We think the dream that God gave to us is to aggravate the flesh. No, God, sorry, to gratify the flesh. God will not gratify the flesh. Now. God is looking beyond the flesh. He's looking into his own purpose. Let me show us what happened to this man. Genesis chapter 45. Can we look at it together? Verses 5 to 8. Genesis 45. Verses 5 to 8. Five to eight says, But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourself. Because you sold me here. <laughs> Don't be angry with yourself that you sold me. I want everybody to look at this. For God sent me before you. So that you can bow down for me. To preserve life. For these two years the famine has been in the land. And there are still five years a week that will be need applying or harvesting. Verse 7. And God sent me before you. To preserve a prosperity for you. In the earth. And to save your lives 
by a great deliverance. How can God call you to save your enemies? God sent me to save your lives. Verse 8. So now, it was not you who sent me here. I love this. Some of us have been persecuted by our boss. No, it is not your boss. God allowed it. If some of us were not persecuted by our boss, we would not get better jobs. You would have been hooked and glued to where you are. We will never advance. God will rock the boat. So that the best of your life can manifest. The church in Jerusalem received the grace of God and the power of the Spirit. And they stayed in Jerusalem. And God sent persecution. The people were sent out. No wonder Philip went to Samaria and took the land for God. If there was no persecution, there would be no gospel in Samaria. The Bible says, and God sent me before you. It was not you who sold me. God sent me. This is hell-level Christianity. That I look at somebody who has done me evil, and I said, you didn't do it. God did it. Why did he do it? Because he meant it for good. Because he wants to preserve a generation. Let me finish that passage. Oh, God, time. Hallelujah. Let's finish it. It says, So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh. And Lord of all his house. And a ruler throughout all the land. Genesis chapter 50. God's purpose. Genesis chapter 50. Are we there? I'm just going to, I'm not going to read the entire thing because we read it. Verse 19. And Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for I am not in the place of God. But as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good. You meant evil against me. But God meant it for good. I don't know what the enemy is doing in your life. The supposed enemy is doing in your life. The Bible says you meant it for evil. Everything intended for evil in your life, God is going to turn it around. God is going to make it good. God is going to make it good. I didn't say it. He said it. God is going to make it good. If you're persecuted, if you're oppressed, God is going to make it good. Let me quickly round up on this. Joseph was hated and envied, but God meant it for good. Joseph was plotted and conspired against by his enemies, but God meant it for good. Jacob was lied, Joseph was lied against, and there was no justice, but God meant it for good. Joseph was confined in a prison and interpreted other people's dream while he was still in prison, but God meant it for good. Joseph was forgotten for two years, but God meant it for good. God had a plan. He wanted the best for Joseph. God didn't want to release Joseph from the prison. God wanted to make Joseph the highest authority in the land next to Pharaoh so that when his brothers come around, they will have a place to say and their future will be preserved by God. Oh God. Maybe you're here this morning, you've been sexually abused. And your story, ever since everywhere you go, is having abused. Can you get out of that? Get out of that! God wants to turn your mess around. Turn it around. 
Some of us have had incredible delays in our lives. And we're wondering every day, why am I like this? Why me, Lord? Joseph was a late child. Every late blessing is always a special blessing. Every late blessing is always a special blessing. John was born late. Joseph, Samuel, Samson, Isaac, none of them ended up as a nobody. Every late child became a significant individual in the land. They had a purpose with God. So every late blessing in your life, it's been too late. And people have given up over your life. It is late so that God can be glorified. It is getting too late so that God can be exalted in your life. It is getting rather too late so that men will have nothing to say about your life. It is getting rather, 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 rather too late so that everybody will see except the Lord builds the house. They labor in vain that builds it. Except the Lord watch over the city. The watchmen, they wait in vain. Let's rise up. Let's rise up. <laughs> the devil is in trouble. I love this. We're going to pray this morning, but before I pray, I'll just read this passage. The second passage we read. I'll read it from Amplified Version of the Bible, and that's where we're going to take our prayer. Second Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 8. For we are hedged in, pressed on every side, troubled and oppressed in every way. The Bible says, but we are not crushed, nor cramped. We suffer embarrassments and are perplexed and unable to find a way out, but we are not driven to despair. Verse 9. We are pursued, persecuted, and are driven, but we are not deserted. We're not standing alone. We're struck down to the ground, but never struck out nor destroyed. Some of us are here this morning. We've been so struck. We've been so heat. You're wondering why. I want you to turn your why around this morning and say, like Paul, it will turn out for my good. Say, like Joseph, it was meant for good. 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 Hear me, church. This is what the devil doesn't want to hear. He wants to hear you binding. But he doesn't want to hear you saying, what you are going through is meant for good. It doesn't sound natural. It sounds illogical. It sounds crazy. But crazy people love God. They are the people who serve God. They are the people who know Him. Can we just speak to the Lord this morning and say, Lord... He's turning to my good. He's going to turn it around. You're going to turn the whole situation around. He's going to turn it around. He's going to turn it around. You're going to turn it around. Oh God, you're going to turn it around. Oh, he's going to turn out for my good. He's going to turn out for my good. I'm out pressed. I'm out pressed on every side. The families are speaking into your ears. Your friends are forsaking you. They thought you were stupid. They thought you were a fool. But I want to say this to you. Stay with God. Stay in righteousness. 
Stay with God. He's going to turn it around. He's going to make the best out of the situation. He's going to make it for good for you. Oh, you're not going to be drowned in this pit. There is no pit the enemy has sent into your life. You're not going to get drowned in this pit. You're coming out of the pit. You're coming out of the pit. You're coming out of the pit. You're taking the throne in the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. We're going to pray this prayer, and then I will close. You know what I saw in the life of Joseph? I saw that when it was time for God to bring him to the throne, he gave to the king a dream the king could not interpret. And he ensured that all the astrologers and the diviners could not understand it. And then the man, the butler, who left Joseph in the prison, remembered. Because it was the right time to remember. There are wrong times to remember. Joseph could have ended up as another prisoner or a servant in the house of an Egyptian. But God had prepared a suitable table for him in the presence of his enemies. You know the prayer we're going to pray this morning? I want you to pray. I say, Lord, my life is going to become a symbol of your glory. At the time you've ordained, we're at the time of life at the moment I'm speaking. Lord, let your glory manifest in my life. Bring the best out of this rotten situation. Bring the best out of this rotten situation. Bring the best out of the rotten situation. Let it manifest. Let it manifest. Let it manifest. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Bring it to pass, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name.